Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would, um, as Lydia already prayed, that you would just be with us, that you would uh, speak to us, um, Lord, as we consider this topic of suffering, as we consider the story of Job, would you bring insight, would you uh, draw us deeper and closer into relationship with you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we are doing this series, Questions God Asks Us, and it sort of flies in the face of convention because we have so many questions that we want to ask God, right? You probably heard it said, when I get to heaven, I can't wait to ask God this, you know, why did he make my big toe that size? You know, like just weird questions that we've thought of, you know, the weird questions the, the funny questions, the, ki- the questions we have as kids, the questions we have as, um, as adults, the harder questions, uh, we're just flooded with them. And I started off last time giving some examples of those. Um, but in asking um, us to pause those for a moment and to let God ask the question, we are letting God set the agenda, L- letting God say, this is what I want you to consider. This is this is who I am. Let me, let me tell you who I am. And more than that, let me draw you into a relationship with myself. So we're going to see this um, tonight. We're going to see a story of um, a man who was afflicted with a lot of suffering, probably more than any of us could ever imagine. And he asked a lot of questions. Uh, his friends asked a lot of questions, a lot of bad questions. Um, and then finally, in the end of the story, God asks a question. So we're sort of um, catching Job at the end of the story of Job. Job is a great book. It's one of my favorites. And I want, just want to give you a heads up as we head into some kind of dark, uh, dark stuff that the story ends with Job's health being restored, uh, his uh, fortune being restored, and all of those really good things happening to him at the end of the story and him being blessed by God. But bear in mind, that's not the best part of the story. And so we're going to talk about what is the best part of the story. What does it uh, mean um, that this happy ending, you know, happily ever after, you know, they, they walk off into the sunset, everything's back to normal, isn't actually what God wants us to hear in the story of Job. So we're going to do this in three parts. The first thing I want to do is questions we ask in the midst of suffering. Second thing is question God asks us in the midst of suffering. And then lastly, how should we respond to God? So this is the story of Job. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. He was not only the most righteous man alive at the time, He was the wealthiest. He was the most blessed. Uh, His family was the awesomest. Um, And as the story goes, 
we, we see this, this um, sort of heavenly perspective where we see God and Satan talking. And Satan claims, he makes this assertion that if all of Job's servants, if all of Job's possessions, if all of Job's children were taken away from him, Job would curse God. So that, that, that's what Satan asserts. And God allows Satan uh, to test Job by taking away nearly everything he had short of his own life. Fire comes down from heaven and destroys his entire flock and his servants. Raiders killed his camels. A wind blew down a house and the whole thing literally fell and killed all of his children at the same time. And then on top of this, his own health was taken away. He was sorely sick. It was, uh, his skin was so afflicted by whatever disease he had that he took broken pieces of pottery to scrape his skin. He was in great physical pain, not to mention the anguish that he was feeling for all of the loss that had just occurred in his life. And this is Job's response. He says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, Job's wife says something really different. This is what she says. She says, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job refuses. Job had a few really close friends. And I'm sure he had many more than just these three. But these three men show up to his house. And as the story goes, Job is sitting under a tree in the dirt on the ground. And these three friends sit on the ground, not just for a couple hours in silence, not just for a day in silence, but seven days. They just sit there in silence. Job doesn't speak. They don't speak. They're just with each other. And Job finally, at the end of seven days, says something. He starts this dialogue that goes on for many, many chapters between he and his three friends. And he asks a lot of questions in this. Let me just give you a few highlights. He says, why did I not die at birth? Why did I not come out of the womb and expire? Why was I not stillborn? In chapter 7, he says, if I sin, what do I do to you, you watcher of mankind? He's directing this to God. Why have I become a burden to you? In other words, what have I done to you, God, that you would do this to me? And he says this to God, your hands fashioned me and made me, and now you've destroyed me altogether. Remember that you have made me like clay, and will you return me to the dust? And lastly, oh, that I knew where I might find him being God, that I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. 
Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, he would pay attention to me. Basically what he's saying is, if I could just get a chance to talk with God and ask him, what is going on? Why did you let this happen to me? Why did you do this? If I could only get face to face with God and ask him, then maybe I could have an answer. Then maybe I would know. I want to just pause here and say, in all of these questions, Job was blameless. It's not wrong for him to have asked these questions. Um, You have a lot of questions, I'm sure, especially when bad things happen to you. I want you to just think about the types of questions you might be asking now or that maybe you would ask if you were in Job's situation. Where are you, God, in the midst of COVID-19? Why don't you just end it now? Why have all of these circumstances aligned so that it's taken so long, especially in the United States, for this pandemic to end? Why doesn't God just end it now? Maybe you've had a, a loss in your family. Maybe your own parent has died. Why me? Why did I have to be in this place? What did I do to deserve this? Lots of times we feel like whatever wrong has befallen us or, or affliction, it's, it's because we've done something wrong. It's in punishment. What is wrong with me? What does God have against me that he would do this to me? God, why did you allow this? Why did you uh, make me? Why did you create me knowing all along that this would happen? And lastly, why don't you let me die? Why don't you let me die? Why was I ever born? Maybe in the midst of darkness of, of despair, you've asked that question. Why don't you just let me die? And perhaps in the midst of all these questions that you're asking, and you're asking uh, uprightly, and it's, it's not in sin that you're asking these questions, uh, this voice just keeps clanging in your ears. Why do you still believe in God? Curse God and die. Do you still hold fast to these, these petty beliefs about God and justice and righteousness? Why don't you just give all that up? Do you still hold fast to your integrity, just like Job's wife? Sometimes we're tempted. Sometimes even those who are closest to us, who are friends with us, maybe even who we're in a relationship with. Job was married to this woman. And surely inside of our heads, we hear this. Why don't you just give up? Why don't you just curse God and die? Well, as the story goes, as we read in Job, there's a great whirlwind. God comes to Job in this whirlwind. and Job finally gets this chance to talk with God. God, uh, Job's friends had told him, God is judging you. God is punishing you. You deserve the suffering. And in fact, some of his friends said, you deserve worse. Um, finally, God is coming and he's answering. Uh, Job continues to protest his innocence. 
while also upholding God's righteousness. You know, God has to be just. I believe that God must be good, but I still have these questions. These things are not mutually exclusive. This was the place where Job was when God came to him in the whirlwind. Let's, let's see what he says. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man, and I will question you, and you make it known to me. A whirlwind in the Old Testament. You need to pay attention whenever you see a whirlwind. Um, when prophets come, when, when the law of Moses is given uh, to Moses on Mount Sinai, there is a storm. There's fire. The presence of God often shows up. It's, it's called a theophany sometimes um, in, in Scripture is the technical term for it. Um, it's a theophanic tempest. There's a new word for you. It's God coming. God is not like us. He does not have a body like man, but he's coming uh, so that we see him, we experience him, at least in the Old Testament, this is how he came, uh, in this storm, in this tempest. And let's, let's stop for a second. I mean, obviously this is very scary. Obviously this is very like, you know, you, you feel shook by it. But if Job's friends were right, and he deserved this and far more, if they were right, then this would be God coming in judgment. This would be God coming to finally take Job's life, the last thing he had left. But he doesn't. He asks a question comes to Job and directs, faces him like a man. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? He says, obviously he's stating that you don't understand what you're saying, but he comes to him and he asks him a question and then he goes on to ask him a series of questions and this is the first line of questioning. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstones and the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? I'm going to go back one slide so you can see. Um, sorry. My bad, it didn't show up. Um, when you see in your Bible, Lord, and it's all capital letters, L-O-R-D, all caps, um, that's the English uh, used for Yahweh. And when we, when we see Yahweh, when we see Lord in all caps, Yahweh means the covenant Lord the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who, who sets his people apart, who, who bestows his love, not just any sort of fickle love, but a never-ending, committed love to his people. And it says in that verse that the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. This was the Yahweh coming to be with Job. And he asked him, where were you when I created the universe? Where were you when I made the stars in the heavens, the sea and the creatures that are in it, uh, the, the sun, the trees, 
the birds. It goes through all of these descriptions of these creatures, of these um, even creatures that we're not really sure what they are. The, the behemoth, maybe it's, a, maybe it's an elephant, maybe it's a dinosaur. God says, I was there creating all of these things. I created them and I'm sustaining them. And at the end of all this, I created the most beautiful part of my creation. It was Adam and Eve. It was everyone that came after Adam and Eve. It was humans made in the image of God. Now, let's, let's stop here and like, like, like what's going on? <laughs> How does this relate to suffering? How does this relate to me right now? Um, in the midst of our suffering, and this is only natural. We become myopic. We become nearsighted. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in so much physical pain. Maybe you've stubbed your toe. But it, it feels like your, your vision just kind of like locks down. Like all you can think about is that darn toe. All you can think about when your heart is broken is what's lost, right? All you can think about when there's tragedy that struck your life is that thing that just happened. And naturally so, we focus on that. And what God is doing, he's saying, Job, just for a moment, let's go back to the beginning of all time, the beginning of the cosmos. Let's zoom out and let's see who I am. And in doing this, we see who Job is to us, who God is to us who Job is to God. Um, God helps us zoom out to see the edges of the universe. So, so what do we do with this? Okay, like, yeah, we, we've been rocked by this, like, whoa, yeah, I, God is way bigger than me. So the answers to the questions of why did God let this happen must be way bigger than me, and it's just mystery. And it, it, is that all? Is that all we get as Christians? Just, just trust God and believe and keep going. It's not all. It's not all. There's more. Job gives us, I think, a little bit of a way forward. He, he says, I know that you can do all things. I know that you, you, you created the world. Therefore, I've uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me. Um, he, he repents. He says, I had no um, knowledge of what I was talking about. And he repents and he says, you know, I have failed to see you as the big God that you are in the midst of my suffering, in the midst of my questioning. Um, but he's also worshiping here. He's also saying, God, you are big. You are the creator. You are majestic. You rule over all. He's also, God is asking us to, to remember what he has done. Uh, this is so important in, um, in times of sadness, in times of grief, uh, to go back and tell a story. Maybe sometimes as a way to, to work through things, it's good to start your memoirs, <laughs> to journal, to remember your story and where God has brought you. 
Maybe it's through um, going back to home videos or flipping back through your iPhone photo feed and remembering. Where has God been? The happy times in your life and where is God in the hard times of your life? He's there. He's with you. For God to say to Job, um, where were you when I created the world is not, is not just this like, hey, like, shut up and listen. Um, put in your, you know, put Job in his place kind of situation. What we understand through scripture is that we are the apple of God's eye. Where were we when God created the world? We were at the forefront of his vision. He was thinking of us when he created the sky, when he created the stars, when he created this world, this this part of the earth that we live on. He was thinking of you and me. And he was saying, I'm never going to leave them. I'm never going to forsake them. And he was thinking of Job. And he knew that this was going to happen. And he knew that he was going to suffer greatly. But in God's wisdom and in God's uh, sovereign will, he, he allowed this to happen. We don't get reasons per se, but we get a relationship. That, that, that might sound cheesy. Uh, I, I don't want it to be cheesy. Um, we have God drawing nearer to us. I bet if you were to go back, if you've been a Christian for a little while, and see those hard moments in your life, those dark moments. I've had many myself. Like, I can look back and I can remember. I remember all the hardship. And maybe, thankfully, by God's grace, I don't feel the pain in that moment of memory. Maybe some of it's been blacked out. But I do remember how close God was, how near he was, and how that has sustained me that has stayed with me. I want to um, remind you of our God who came down to earth and suffered. The suffering servant. And, and before he died on the cross, he said, look at the sparrow. Look at the lilies. Look how beautiful they are. I know everything about them. I created them. I made them. And when a sparrow falls, I know it. How much more so does he know you and everything about you? When you reflect on your own pain and suffering and you you compare it to Job's, it might feel small. Pain is not relative. Uh, Suffering is not relative. If if it matters to you, it matters to God. I I have a, a toddler and the things that make him cry matter to me. I can see, yes, they're small in the grand scheme of things, but yes, it matters to me that he's upset. How much more so does God? And we still, as we go throughout the Christian life, might have this clinging question. Do you still believe this stuff? Do you still hold to these these old-fashioned myths about God being sovereign, this creator, all of these things that seem so foreign and seem so incomprehensible in our world today. And ultimately what they lead us to is to this place of cursing God and despairing. 
This is why it's all the more important for us to, to read the Psalms, uh, to read the story of God's word, God's covenant love for his people. Psalm 103, instead of cursing God and dying, what it does is it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Don't forget his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. As many times as we hear, do you still hold fast to your integrity, curse God and die? We need to sing these praises to our God who sent his son to be cursed for us so that we may live and not just live this prosperous life on this earth, but live an abundant life with him forever. Let's pray. Father, we just ask as we go into this time of discussing these hard questions uh, that you would enlighten us. Give us wisdom by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.